Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What up, y'all? I am your host, Vegas, and welcome to another bonus episode of Hip Hop Now Podcast. Big shout out to the producers of this podcast, you, the patrons, the people that support this podcast. So here is another bonus episode just for you and this is a very 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 special episode so if you enjoy this episode please make sure to share the podcast and the patreon website at patreon.com slash hip-hop now let's get right into it though so as you can see by the cover this is a different type of episode so like I said in a post a couple of weeks ago or a week ago, depending on when you listen to this or whatever the case, because you know what to do, get your ass out of here. But I was thinking about classics, right? And I was looking at a couple people talking about hip hop classics online and, you know, uh, albums that age well and some that didn't really age as well, even though you consider them classics. And I had an idea and I was like, wow. I mean, it's it's easy to say something uh, or album is a, a classic and never have listened to it <laughs> in years. Um, like I was saying um, in the past, like I had, I had listened to Public Enemies, It Takes a Nation a Million in years. Obviously, I talked about it so much that I listened to it this year. But I would always say, yo, it's a bona fide classic, hip hop classic, blah, blah, blah. But I hadn't listened to it in years. So I listened to it to see like how it aged. And it still feels and sounds just the same as it did when it came out. And that's what kind of makes it a classic. But what me, what basically got me thinking was, what about albums from artists where I'm either a, a big fan of that artist or it's the type of album that I, I should like but I didn't like it in a lot of respects I resented the albums for one reason or another now when it comes to the artists I like yeah my resentment was probably because it's a whack project from one of my favorites when it comes to an album that I should like obviously the disappointment is I should like it but I don't I hate it each one of these albums I've listened to once and it was mostly a first impression, a lot of skipping, and then the finale was, I hate it, it's trash. So I decided in the year 2020, I was gonna go back and listen to these albums in their entirety, four albums, 
and see how I feel about it now. Now, some will say, well, I mean, if you ain't like it the first time, what what's going to change in 2020? You know, what what will be the difference? You know, they should still be whack to you, right? And not to that, I would say not necessarily because, again, how I listened, you know, the, the anticipation that I might have had, the expectations I might have had, and uh, what I heard initially may have completely turned me off and prevented me from giving it a good listen. So I was able to give these four albums a very, very deep listen and... I'm, I'm happy to say that whether I like or dislike these albums, right, today, I have more of a reason or I can elaborate on why a little bit more. Before, I couldn't tell you why an album was whack. I was just like, it was trash. I listened to it, it was trash. Um, but another thing I'm going to say is if I really like it enough, I'm going to add it to my record collection, which is not vinyl, but I mean just my music collection, um, which, you know, I can I have a lot of music, but there's certain albums I don't have in, in catalogs of people. You know, I have every damn album, but certain albums I don't have because I don't like. It. So the four albums are Bahamadia's Collage, which was her debut. Um... Nas and Stephen Marley's Distant Relatives, Raekwon's Immobilarity, and Common's Electric Circus. Now, there's some people out there who loved each and every one of these albums and cannot believe that I'm saying this. Let's get right into it, though. So the first album that I listened to was Bahamadia's Collage. And I'm not even I'm not even gonna hold y'all. I am not a Bahamadia fan at all. I'm not gonna hold you. There's a couple reasons why. I, I just never got into her music, mainly because I didn't like her voice and I didn't like her flow. So this album dropped in the year 1996, very good year. A lot of classics, a lot of distractions for me around that time because there was a lot of dope music out. But I did not like anything from this album when I first heard it. So I went back and listened to it. The album was about 16 tracks, 15, 50 minutes total. It was released on Capitol Records back in 1996. Features, it got a couple of features like, you know, uh, Black Thought, The Roots, you know, people like that, right? I'm going to just cut to the chase. I still don't like this album. And I can tell you why. I can understand at this time in 1996, with the production she had, while a lot of people liked it. Also, I can understand that in 1996, there was a division in hip hop in a lot of regards. Now, me, I always landed somewhere in the middle because even though I like Bad Boy and I like everything that was happening with music on that side, Death Row Records and all of that on the commercial side, um, I still was embedded in the underground, but I didn't like everything, including Bahamadia's collage. And what I found is anybody who says, you know, you don't like that song, the beat is whack or hot or whatever. I mean, not whack. (laughs) The beat is hot. 
I wouldn't disagree with you. What I don't like is Bahamadia. Here are the reasons why I don't like this album based off of Bahamadia. Nothing to her personally, just her performance. I don't, her voice sometimes can be overwhelmed by the beat because she has a whisper to her voice. She sort of has a, a I'm not trying to throw shade, even though it sounds like shade, but a, a froggish tone to her voice. And then she has a lisp. Now, I'm saying froggish tone and a lisp. And then I'm adding to the fact that her vocals almost sound like they're too low. And on top of that, she's a rapidy rap rapper, you know, like my mentals inside, instrumentals and instrumentals and bench. Like, you just really rhyming words. And I thought on the first track, Wordplay, that was perfect because even if I don't like her voice or her style of rhyming, the name of the song is Wordplay. And that's what it's about. So I can't really take points away for her doing what she does best. But as you go into other songs and beats are hot and hooks are there and there's some storytelling, she's still rapidly rapping. And I kind of feel like when you're telling a story, you can't be the spherical, miracle, minerals, and ten- you can't be that rapper when you're telling a story. Now, she wasn't heavy with it, and I'll give her credit. Her flow did switch up a little bit. Um, but nevertheless, it still didn't strike me enough to even like some of those records. And some of them aren't the worst in the world, obviously. Um, One other thing I noticed listening to this album is she doesn't rhyme as much as I thought she does. Meaning, you know, the album's not that long and there's a couple of guest features on a couple of songs, but her verses aren't long either. You know what I'm saying? So when you're listening to a record, even if she's the only rapper on there, a lot of times you're not going to hear her a lot. You're going to hear the hook more and the beat more than you hear her. And I think that's a testament to um, her limitations as as an artist, not as an MC, as an artist. Because as an MC, I could give her respect for the wordplay. The wordplay is there for sure. And it's not like she's just talking nonsense. I'd be lying if I said that. But I just felt like her style is one dimensional. Her lyrical skill as an artist is one dimensional. And you either like that one dimension or you don't. And for me, that one dimension combined with her voice, her tone, her her monotoneness, um, and the fact that it always came across as if it was competing with the tracks as far as volume goes, I just didn't like it. So that was an easy one for me to just move on from because I didn't like it back then and it certainly did nothing, <laughs> nothing at all to uh, change my mind about uh, Bahamadia's collage. So then the next album I listened to was out of 2010, Nas and Damian Marley's Distant Relatives. Uh, out of 2010, I think I said 2009. Labeled as reggae. And I'm going to tell you off the bat, that's probably my biggest gripe with this. Not reggae. I like reggae. I have reggae. I own reggae. But I'll explain. 
So the album is about 14 tracks deep. A couple of features on here. Dennis Brown. Uh, Stephen Marley's featured on here a couple of times. Lil Wayne's on here. Junior Reed. It's uh, 14 songs, about an hour and six minutes. Uh, released in 2010 on Universal Republic Records. Listen to this album. And honestly, off straight off the break... I feel the same way I did back in 2010 when I first heard it. I don't like it. But let me tell you why. It's not that the messages aren't on point. The lyrics are on point. Period. Can't get a can't get around. If, if someone loves it for those reasons and those connections to Africa, because that's the whole vibe here. Nas being a rap artist, Damian Marley being a reggae artist. On the cover, you see both their faces. In the middle, you see a shadow of continent of Africa. Right? So that's the whole theme. They nail it when it comes to that theme. I think on every song they do. But where I have an issue is Damian Marley sounds comfortable obviously on all of these tracks. Even the ones that come a little later on that I wish came a little bit um, sooner on the album. Even on the tracks that sound more like hip-hop. But the majority of this album feels like reggae. Which is brings me to why I don't like this album. is because I don't think Nas's flow fits every record. Some of them sound forced. Some of them sound like... You know, uh, we're just going to put him on here. We're going to tweak the beat a little bit, but we're just going to throw him in because Nas is the other person on this project. Now, I'm going to give you a comparison, right? That I felt like this album should have been a little bit more balanced, right? So if you got distant relatives, right? You got Nas representing, you know, Black America or whatever. Um, As far as hip hop goes, hardcore hip hop, Damian Marley representing, let's just say, Jamaica and the Caribbean as a whole, uh, representing reggae and dancehall, and you got Africa in the middle, and you're trying to meet the best of both worlds, right? Well, let's talk about best of both worlds, which was Jay-Z and Ara Kelly. Um, obviously, he's a, he's an asshole for everything. Well, he's beyond that for everything he did, but let's just talk about what what they put together. When they put that collaborative album, Best of Both Worlds, together, what they did to me that worked, that should have happened here sonically, was on Best of Both Worlds, you felt like half the time you was listening to a Jay-Z album featuring R. Kelly, and the other half you felt like you was listening to an R. Kelly album featuring Jay-Z. And it blended well, perfectly, obviously, because... They just worked well together. This just feels too much like Damian Marley featuring Nas. Hence, probably why it's labeled as reggae. And I get it. Maybe Nas felt like he didn't want to, you know, do something. Even though there's one record that feels more like hip hop, that sounds like Nas is more in the pocket on. Damian Marley sounds comfortable on that. And that's why I felt like they should have did with more tracks. They should have gave more tracks, not all of them, maybe half of them or whatever, more of a hardcore hip hop feel 
because honestly, if we're talking about connections to Africa, then all of it works. It, it can't just be reggae, right? Because it's supposed to be, you know, two sides of the same coin coming from the motherland, right? So, yeah, that sounds too deep for something that's just music. But again, when the, the when the music sounds great and Damian Marley sounds great and then Nas comes in and his flow is almost robotic over this beat that sounds like he shouldn't be even rapping like that over it. It doesn't work for me, at least. So, no, I do not like distant relatives in 2020. I know, I know two albums I feel the same about, right? I feel the same exact way. What could change with the next two? Well, you'd be surprised, but we're going to keep going because the next album I listened to was sort of highly anticipated by myself. It dropped in 1999. It was Raekwon's sophomore album, Immobilarity. Mostly known to most hip-hop fans as the sophomore jinx striking again. Most hip-hop fans felt this album was garbage. It was 21 songs, uh, about an hour and five minutes, released in 1999 on Loud Records couple of features but not like you would expect American uh, Cream Team was on here you know but also was Big Bub Method Man was on here but it was it was brief 21 song or 21 tracks on here and mind you this is the follow up to only built for Cuban Links so the anticipation is crazy right Cuban Links released in 95 you had four years before you got another Raekwon album. No Ghostface on here. I don't know if this is a mistake, but on Apple Music, they have it listed under pop. That has to be a mistake. The album is not that bad. But I went back and listened, and this album is still trash, y'all. <laughs> this album is still trash, man. I, I gotta say it's probably maybe four good joints on here four or five and we're talking about 21 tracks obviously there's a couple skits on here um, you know some of the standouts at least for me were oh I almost played one my bad were um, 100 rounds that one was cool cause I um, F them featuring Method Man live from New York was it was okay uh, sneakers though that's that's a dope joint uh, pop-ish was a good one but beyond that you know you talk about anticipation anticipating a follow-up to such a classic album and I get it you know his debut album featured Ghostface and that's that's not typically considered a solo album yet it was so in this album not only is Ghostface gone but a lot of the production, the Wu-Tang sound, feel, and production is gone from this album. What makes this album worse is the beats are mostly garbage. Like, really. I mean, and let's not blame it all on the beats, because it's not all the beats. But even songs like All I Got Is You Part 2. Now, you know All I Got Is You, the original uh, Ghostface featuring Mary J. Blige 
was dope. It was on uh, Ghostface's debut album, Iron Man. Had a video for it. It was a single and all that. Very dope record. So a follow-up by Raekwon should be just as dope, right? No. That beat is trash. And then he gets Big Bub. And in 1999, unless you were my age, most people didn't know who know or remember who Big Bub was. So, I mean, I, I tried to really get this a listen. I mean, it was a couple of points where I even felt like Raekwon's bars weren't even inspired. Like, like some real basic bars were coming out. Now, we know with the Wu, it's, it's about wordplay, especially with people like Raekwon. It's a lot of wordplay going on. And I get it. And I don't know. Maybe if it was spit over a better tracks i wouldn't mind as much because it's not like he's always like blowing your mind with you know these crazy rhymes or whatever it's it's more like stylistically raekwon says some dope stuff you know what i'm saying he and he's also very descriptive in his rhymes and that's what makes it dope but when a track is whack like this it's hard to keep your you know imagination in a positive light so listening to this joint, I was I was literally I could not wait for it to go off. Like literally. And again, with all three of the albums I just named, I was trying my best. Like we were driving. I was driving a road trip, straight road trip listening. You know, if you ever took a road trip and listened to an album for the first time or again, you know, sometimes you tend to listen a little deeply. And that was the whole you know, um, object behind doing this was to really give it a deep listen. And this, I won't say for distant relatives, I kind of let that rock without skipping much. You know what I'm saying? I probably skipped one record. But um, Bahamadia, I probably skipped a couple of records after listening to them and just deciding this, this you know, this song isn't redeemable whatsoever. Um, but on Raekwon's joint, man, at least with Bahamadia, see, that's the crazy part with Bahamadia. I don't even like hearing her voice, yet I was able to let it rock, probably because she didn't rhyme as much. But with Raekwon, somebody who I like, I wanted to skip mad records because I kept feeling like it's it's got to get better. Maybe the second verse. Something's going to happen. It's got to get better. And it just never did for me. And lastly, Common's album, Electric Circus, released in 2002. This is about 13 tracks deep. Um, the album clocks at out at about an hour and 13 minutes. This album featured a ton of neo-soul artists. Um, besides uh, Pharrell, who was also on here, but Bilal's on here, Erica Badu, um, Jill Scott's on here. Who else is on here? Uh, Vinny Mojica's on here. Y'all remember her from Tribe and all that. A couple of people on here. Mary J. Blige is on here. She was on that single, um, Come Close. And remember, when this album dropped in 2002, Common was coming off of two albums that I think I feel comfortably calling classics. One being One Day It Will All Make Sense. And the other one being Like Water for Charlie. Now, if you heard those albums, you've heard the vibe of how they sound. 
that the, Like Water for Chocolate was Common's fourth album. Everything about Common up to that point was hardcore hip hop. Lyrical, wordplay, word hardcore beats, Jay Dilla beats, you know what I'm saying? Boom, bap, head now. Everything up until that point was that. And then he released Electric Circus, which is a complete 180, 360, all of it, 420, whatever you want to call it. The sound of this album is totally different. The sound of this album is more like something you would hear today, to be honest. Like it's really it's really soulful, but not in a hip hop way. More organic. Like if you took Common off and you put a single on the most most of these records, uh, you could put Bilal on all of these records and it would sound in the pocket. It didn't sound like it belonged to Common in 2002. This was the album also where people felt like Common was not only losing his way musically, but physically as he uh, dressed like he uh, worked in a crochet shop. But nevertheless, music aside, Erykah Badu situation aside, back then, I did not like it because I didn't see why. I didn't, I didn't feel there was a progression as an entire album into this album. Obviously, on Like Water for Chocolate, on, on albums like... Um, one day it all makes sense. Obviously, there was a track or two where he kind of dipped his toe in that lane, but they still maintain that hip hop feel. So this album felt like this was a different rapper. Listening in 2020, there's nothing wrong with any of the lyrics. I'm going to just say that. Nothing at all. And in a lot of respects, musically, not every song, probably two beats on here that I was like eh, I don't know about those but this is pro- he probably released his album too soon I think this sound would have worked for him a couple of years later I think a lot of artists that came out that this album would work today right when you think of what Kendrick Lamar did with the Pimple Butterfly working with people like Flying Lotus and Thundercat and Andre 3000. This album is in that lane. People would love this album. People would like this album. You know, later in years, but not in 2002. Most common fans did not want to hear this. And I got to say, when I was listening, I probably only skipped one record. Well, let me say two records. I probably only skipped two records on there. This album is good now. It's good for what it is now. At a time when people, you know, had like water for chocolate and was just blown, and the minds was blown, they just did not expect this. That included myself. And, and didn't like it. But when you go back and listen to this now, given all the music he's released across his career, and if you're a music person who has listened to, you know, maybe you listen to Thundercat, maybe you like Kendrick Lamar, maybe you like uh, the internet, and you hear this, and you listen and comments rapping the way he usually rap, his album's not bad at all. So I think it was just a matter of the timing 
for him. It was a bad decision for the time. Now, some might say, well, maybe you didn't like it back then, but Neo Soul was big, so there probably was a lot of people who liked it. There was enough people who liked it, liked it, but there was enough, there was more people who didn't like it. Hence why we later got Kanye West and B, which basically brought Common back to where he should have progressed to. You know what I'm saying? Because with B and Finding Forever with No ID, that those two albums sound more like sequels to Like Water for Chocolate. And maybe after Finding Forever, then you get Electric Circus. You know what I'm saying? Instead of, what was that joint? UMC, which was terrible. So, that's that's what I feel about those four albums. So, Bahamadia's collage, no thank you. Nas and Damian Marley's distant relatives, stay distant. Raekwon's immobilarity, get mobile, I guess. <laughs> and Common's electric circus, I bought it. That's going to do it for me. If you like this episode, hit that like button. Share this Patreon website with your friends. Tell them, hey, you got some good stuff over there. Tell them to visit patreon.com slash hip hop now. Or you can send them the link that's in the description of this podcast. Until next time, y'all, I am not a critic. I'm a fan. Peace. <laughs>